The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Hundredth and forty-first episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Someone, and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, I know it's weird to say because this week has still been nuts, but how you doing, man? Dude, um, I'm I'm, I'm still processing. I can honestly say this. Uh, I mean, in the big scheme of life, life is always life is well. I don't worry about where food comes from. My bills are paid. Blah blah blah. Life is well. Like I wanted to give everybody the big picture look. But as far as my wrestling life, oh my god, you don't understand. My life and plans are around the big four for AEW. Like. Everything in my life is how it correlates to AEW's Big Four. And a big part of my life correlating to AEW's Big Four is Cody Rhodes. Was. Let me say that. Was Cody Rhodes. It was like, um, is he going to be on the show? Is he going to do the meet and greets? Well, you know, go through all the shit. You, you, everyone knows what it's to go to a wrestling event. Even if you haven't been, you know what other people talk about. So it's funny, like to some people it's like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Cody's going to WWE. Cool. And that's fine. And I understand to most people it's not that big a deal. But to someone like me, who was life is kind of tied in with AEW and how I travel and stuff. And now and I had pretty much kind of put aside WWE, right? It was like, mm-hmm. make sure I go to the AEW shows. If a WWE show is close to me, I'll go. But I pretty much put them aside to take a huge piece and move it to the other side of the table affects my life more than most. And, you know, I've dealt, you know, talked to my wife about it. And, you know, and she even said it's huge. Like, I woke up Tuesday with the 25 messages I've mentioned asking, was I okay? And my wife came home like somber, like, are you okay? Like, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to be. I mean, this is like, it's not a huge deal. It's like your favorite player going to a different team it's not like i'm not gonna not i'm not 
I'm not, you know, depressed or anything, but it's just like, it does change my life. Plans have to start changing. First of all, Monday, I wasn't going to WrestleMania. Now, now I have tickets to night one and night two. That's Man, I hope it doesn't become a CM Punk 2.0 situation where you pay to go see Cody and he doesn't show up. Well, this is the whole thing. This is I want to give a shout out to my friend JR. Because I, I really, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm laser focused on Orlando. Making sure I get to go to Star Wars, uh, the, uh, the Star Wars thing at um, uh, Disney and all that stuff. I'm laser focused on Orlando more than, more than anything, right? So yep. that being said, I really, I, you know, they did the buy one, get one thing, free tickets on Valentine's Day. I was just not going to go. I was just not going to buy tickets. I was like, maybe they'll do another buy one, get one free before WrestleMania. JR went and bought us night one and night two. God dang. So he bought night, yeah, he bought night one really without talking to me. He was like, oh, you're going. And then he bought night two, and I was like, oh. And then the Cody situation happened. I was like, well, okay, now I'm actually interested in going. So, it, it, like I said, it changed a little bit. Uh, about it, and I, I promise, if you're listening to the show, I promise this is not going to be a Cody thing. I honestly, unless there is AEW direct news to uh, of that has to reference to Cody, this is going to be it for me. I even like put yeah. my like eulogy, my five minutes, like give me a few days to reflect on it because when we did the first show. I don't even think I'd fully processed it yet. What it meant, yeah. what it meant for like, I was like, I'm going to go on the Jericho cruise because, you know, I went on it. It was great, but I'm going this time. Cause Hey, Cody's going to be on it this time. Probably. Yeah. No. Well, Hey, you know, um, before we like, we're going to actually get into our, uh, reflections actually. Cause I mean, hell, this is the first AW dynamite where we didn't have Cody. So we'll get into that right now. Before that though, I need to just quickly do our spiel and then we'll get right back into what Floyd was going on about. Uh. Um, but guys, continue to download this show on Google and Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, leave a rating, a review. Give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. If you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through Red Circle, who is our podcast provider. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex, are the guys that make this show possible. Please check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. So, of course... Cody being gone is still the big news of the week with AEW. But Floyd, again, this is our first few days after the announcement. So can please continue. Like, how's the reflection gone, man? I know, like, it's it's a weird feeling, though, to be like, we don't have Cody. And I know some people are saying that it may have had something to do, Cody's absence may have had something to do with the ratings for Dynamite this week, which I want to get into immediately before we get into the show. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because... I love AEW. I do an AEW show. So, again, that means love for AEW. And I love a lot of wrestlers on the roster. But literally doesn't, like, a lot of it doesn't exist without Cody for me. Cody is the reason I tuned in to that, uh, to, tuned in to that um, Wrestle Kingdom. And then saw Kenny Omega versus uh, Kazuchika Okada and saw the Young Bucks and the Junior Tag that literally changed how I watch wrestling. It, it all starts with him. So it's really like 
I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, realistically, this is how I see it. Tony Khan is a businessman, and he works inside of a budget, right? He had a certain number budgeted for Cody, right? If Cody wanted more than that, he has to see his value. And if you're a smart businessman and you think the person wants more than you have determined their value, you have to let them go. That's just what it is. And another thing from these are rumors that I've heard is that Cody wanted kind of wanted his booking power back. Right. And Tony's like, no, we're, we're doing good. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, and this is all speculation. What I'm saying, I'm playing out a scenario. I don't know if it actually happened like that, but I'm just kind of playing out a scenario here. And it's just like, so Cody's like, okay, so this is how I see it. Cody signs with AEW over the other place because he's going to have booking power, because he's going to have EVP. Shortly after, maybe a year, I think it was a year, after you get this, you sign your contract, you're ready to go, the power that you signed up for gets taken away from you. Yeah, I, I could see that making you unhappy to the point where you might not want to be there anymore. Because yeah. if you, I'm just going out there and doing what I'm told, and I, I do, I truly believe this. If you're just going out there and doing what you're told, what is the difference between AEW and WWE? Yeah, you don't want to work at a place where you're not happy, like, and you're not like achieving what you want to achieve. Like, if someone wants to work at the at the dub, or if someone wants to work at AEW, like, they should work where they want to work. It doesn't matter of like where you think you'll be booked better or not. If you want to work at somewhere where you think you'll do better and you'll be happier, do that. Yes, and and if you're thinking about value, it's like okay, and then you know, people brought it in. It's like you brought in Christian, CM Punk. Malachi Black, Andrade, you brought in all these people, Keith Lee, most recently Keith Lee, and it's just like, and you lose Cody. Now, I'll say this, as, as, as a person that has to be realistic, you know, I'll take that trade all day. If you say Floyd, you can have CM Punk, Andrade, Malachi Black, Keith Lee, Adam Cole, you know, all the people they brought in, or you could keep Cody Rhodes. I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? I love Cody, but I'm not stupid. Your roster yeah. is really full right now. It has everything you need. And it's just like a lot of people, you know what I mean, in that list can do a lot of unique things. And Cody does bring energy to things, but it's just like him gone actually makes for more TV time and a, a bigger spot for the other people to move into. And they're more than capable of being in that spot. And I, like I said, I hope no one's taking it as me dissing Cody. On the other hand, looking at the E, there is a glaring hole in baby faces in WWE. Oh my God. Yeah. There's no top baby faces. And I don't mean that like to diss them. I'm saying, Look at it. It is. Roman Reigns is their top star. He's a heel, right? Bobby Lashley is their top star on Raw. He's a heel. 
And they were so desperate for having baby faces, they turned Brock baby face. They turned Brock baby face. And he's like the most awkward baby face ever. Because that guy's a tweener if you've ever seen it. He's the guy that anybody can get beat up. You know, and they so right now their top baby faces are Brock Lesnar and Edge. And they're both like Edge is older than Brock Lesnar. And it's just like, mm-hmm. so there is a clear, because they didn't believe in Drew, obviously. They didn't believe in Big E, obviously. I'm not saying what I think. I'm saying they didn't believe in any of these people. So right now, they didn't believe in Seth as a face. He's a heel. They need a face. Mm-hmm. They need a good guy. They need someone that people can cheer. There is a glaring hole. That's what Cody wants to be, apparently. From yeah. if you listen to everything he said on social media, he wants to be a good guy. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely makes sense. And again, like he, well, again, in 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 the perfect thing, I like I said, I, I'm sure I, I touched on this a little bit with uh, with the update episode when we first broke when we first had the news broken to us and our first reactions to it, but like. Cody's whole idea of le- why he wanted out of WWE is because they never viewed him as a top star. They never saw him as the guy that could lead a brand. And so he left and he won the main he won main card championships everywhere he went, including being the head champion of Ring of Honor, and he then goes on sells out 10,000 seats with All In, then doubles down on it by being one of the main people in starting a bit another wrestling company which is still the second biggest wrestling company in the world right now and he was their top guy and he absolutely was one of the people that made that whole thing possible and now if he goes back and they end up putting him in a top position after everything he's done the moment he steps out and he's a top star he's won he did everything he wanted to get what he wanted. And if that is the whole goal of why he wants to go to WWE, more power to him because that shows balls to be able to go back there and after proving everybody wrong, you then get in the place where you want to be where you wanted to be in the first place. I would still say in the short term it works better than in the long term because we've seen how long term things can work out for people who come back in WWE, lest we see how WCW guys were handled when they got brought over after WCW was bought by WWE. Just history-wise, we've seen how that happens. But, you know, things can change, you know. You never know. But uh, there's, there's a couple things I want to add. First of all, I hear people like, why would Cody put himself in the same position? First of all, I want to let you know, Cody is been there. He, they're the devil he knows. If he doesn't protect himself somehow contra- contractually, even if it's just hey, after a year I can opt out, he would be stupid. You know what I mean? He needs right. I, I don't think he is. So I think there are going to be some protections that we'll never know about contractually for him. Second of all, uh, second of all, this was the goal. If you've ever listened to Cody's interviews early after he left, he talks about how Dusty told him to leave. Go make himself a bigger name and basically come back to the WWE. Undesirable to undeniable was about that. 
he was yeah. undesirable in WWE. He was going to go out, make himself ungoddamn deniable, and then go back in and run the WWE. That was the goal. AEW changed that goal. The elite changed that goal. But it was the goal initially, and now he's getting back to his goal. I, I've said something that's kind of harsh, but the thing is, though, and I, I mean this, and I want everybody to know because I am I am in the and I I'm firmly with Cody, but I'll say this: I I if it doesn't work out, this is the extreme case that doesn't work out, and he leaves. I don't want to hear any bitching about this time. Yeah, it was the devil you knew. You knew it. You went back. You knew what you were getting into. You know what you signed up for. You signed out, signed away choice. You signed away control. So it's like, if you, they lied to you a bunch of times, that's kind of what they do. But hopefully, WWE is smart. Me, oh, I've talked about this with several people. The smartest thing WWE can do is push Cody to the moon. Uh, you know, put the title on him, whatever. Give him everything he wants. Make him a star. Keep him on reality shows. Keep him on game shows. Make him the one of the biggest stars in WWE. Because in tw- the bidding war of 2024, MJF is watching. <laughs> and what? Well, I'm again, like you got all those, you got all yeah. those deals too, because like yeah. of people that like, because I know like with the three-year deals with the main guys, like their options were picked up for a lot of them. But like, like when these when these contracts start running out for AEW guys, WWE is going to go after a lot of them, a lot of them. Yeah, but if you shit on the guy that literally knows how to work your style and came back from AEW, and you shit on him, you're not signing any of those people. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Cody has influence backstage. People love the guy. Some people hate him. He has influence. It's just if it's not a good time for Cody, everybody's gonna know it. Yeah, and, you know, they might not know it in publicly, but they're gonna know it because wrestlers talk backstage. Right now, of course, before, the last thing we'll say on the Cody matter, of course, is the slightly lower the the lower uh, rating that was done for the AEW Dynamite that we're going to be talking about. Um, and some people are saying it's because it's the first Dynamite without Cody on it. And in fact, Cody actually did tweet stuff about it because uh, there was a tweet someone a fan had tweeted out about Cody being gone and saying. Uh, this tweet that said, um, I'm actually going to pull it up because it was recently deleted after Cody retweeted it. But uh, Cody uh, did have a response to it, though. And the response is so the, someone tweeted, this situation has been pretty emotional as well. I didn't watch the show last night beyond seeing if they removed Cody from the intro, which they did. I'm taking a hiatus from watching. Cody is the face of the revolution. It won't be the same without the roads. To which Cody retweeted that tweet and responded saying, quote, I encourage you to still watch it. I was very lucky that my hard work led me to be that face, but I wasn't alone. Nick, Matt, Kenny, Chicken, Jericho, MJF, Hang, we're all as well. And all the new girls and guys putting in a shift as well now. Wrestling is thriving. Very diplomatic answer. So I like that. And yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, like I said, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, Yeah. AEW to me is the best value in wrestling as far as what you have to pay to get in a front row seat or a second row seat. Uh, the meet and greets that they offer, everything that they do is just a great value. 
you know, the type of attention you get when you go to the meet and greets and that kind of thing. It's just, it really is, it, it really is just better. And WWE, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use their name to say they get Cody, right? But that's mm-hmm. not what's going to bring me back. <laughs> what's going to bring me back is if you book interesting storylines with Cody. Yeah. I mean, that that's 100% the case. We, If Cody's in interesting stuff, it absolutely leads to that uh, doing well. But I think I think we'll probably leave our Cody talks um, I'm done. there. I'm we're, done. We're, we've, we've said all we needed to say at this point because, again, we still have no idea – if he even goes to WWE or if he just straights up, if he wants to be a dad, because I know they have a second child that's going to be on the way, them and Brandy. And Brandy, the reports are saying she is not going to WWE either. Did you say so. they have a second child? Wasn't that the case? I thought they confirmed that they had a second child. Uh, I don't I thought maybe I maybe I misheard something, in which case, completely disregard me. I never pay attention to wrestler personal lives anyway, so I shouldn't be speaking on them to begin with. Okay. So, so I, yeah, I don't again, know. Yeah, yeah, it's not my business nor my concern. I never pay attention to the rest of their personal lives, so I don't know why I even brought it up. But regardless, this will be the last of our Cody talks and our Brandy talks because, uh, yeah, I mean, we hope the best for them and we cannot thank them enough for what they have brought in brought AEW. But regardless of that, I think that will do it for our Cody talks. But we're gonna get right into AEW Dynamite from. February 6th place, 16th, taking place from Nashville, Tennessee. The show opened up. Now I get to talk about my boy. It opened up with CM Punk sitting in the middle of the ring, cross-legged with a microphone and a mysterious kind of box in the middle of the ring. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you right now, if you ever needed a masterclass in how to cut a promo, this is fucking it. So I am going to go through this nearly verbatim, but I do encourage you, if you have not seen the promo, please watch it for yourself. It is absolutely some of Punk's best work in AEW when it comes to cutting promos. So getting into it, though, he talks about how MJF tries to walk like him, talk like him, but he can never think like him. But when he beat me in my hometown twice, you would think that I would be furious, that I would be mad. But, Max, you know what? The truth is I'm proud of you. You fancy yourself as Piper in Portland, Brett in Calgary, CM Punk in Chicago. But you're just shitty little Max from shitty little Long Island. And he's like, but now, thanks to the win last night against FTR, shout out to John Moxley for the assist. I get to pick the time, the place, the date, and the match for my rematch with little Max. Time probably right after sunset. The place, Orlando, March 6th. The pay-per-view is Revolution, which leaves us with the match. And he started to wonder about his toughest matches that he had. So, like, maybe we put each other in a cage. But let's be honest, I've seen Wardlow. Maybe he can climb a cage. And you know what? Max can, too. So that still leaves a chance for him to run away. But then he kept thinking, though. Piper in Portland, and he goes back to these matches that he's been in. He's been in cage matches, and he's won more than he's lost. So he thought back to some of the toughest matches in his career where, because that's where you learn your toughest lessons, and Max needs to learn a lesson. So I want matches where literal pieces of myself have been left in in my career, these tough matches. So he said, you want to be tethered to Piper in Portland so bad, you're going to be tethered to me. 
We're about two days removed from the Hallmark holiday, so I get to ask Max, and he reaches into a heart-shaped box and pulls out a steel chain with a dog collar on each end and asks Max, will you be my Valentine? And we're going to pause for a moment there before I finish up the entire promo. This is fucking genius. The way that the Piper in Portland line got tethered through literal months, literal months of this storyline. And it ties all the way into this because Max, will you be my Valentine? NWA circa 1983 dog collar match, Roddy Roddy Piper and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Like fucking yes. And also if you're a CM Punk fan like myself and you know about CM Punk's most physical, vicious, dangerous matches, you may remember Ring of Honor with one of his best feuds ever against a man by the name of Raven, and those two did indeed have a pretty kick-ass dog collar match back in Ring of Honor. In fact, I went and re-watched that match after I found out the stipulation, and it still holds up. Uh, and we don't talk about what happened after the match, though, but Punk did win it, we don't talk about what happened afterwards, though, but Punk won that match, just in case you were wondering. And just fucking amazing how he ties all of that together for this promo. And after he's called out, MJF comes out, and he's like, take it all in, Max. And also, I want to leave you with this. And he pulls out the picture of CM Punk and MJF with little Max at the meet and greet with CM Punk, which had been floating around the internet ever since this feud started back in November, and it was finally used, where he goes, you see this, Max? To you, this was the greatest day of your life. To me, it was Friday. And on Sunday, March 6th, at the Revolution pay-per-view, it's going to be the worst day of your life, and to me, it'll just be Sunday. The canvas I sit on won't be stained with your shitty little spray tan. It's going to be stained with your blood. Punk gets up. He at one point puts puts the chain holding the dog collars in his mouth. MJF raises the mic to his mouth, gets booed relentlessly, which shows you how unbelievable of a heel he is. Cannot deny it. He's getting booed before he even says a word. Max just runs away, clearly unnerved, clearly scared, realizing he might have pushed this man way too far because now he's the piper has to be paid. No pun intended. This promo was genius. This was absolutely incredible how this was done. They tied everything together. And even the lines that you thought were being used so much was like, what's the, I get it, Piper in Portland. But like, why are we holding on that for so long? And then bringing in Valentine's Day, which was literally a couple days ago. And then tying that all in with the dog collar match that Punk was in back in Ring of Honor continuing the history lesson of not only pro wrestling, but CM Punk's career. This was genius. And the inclusion of the meet and greet photograph was perfect. I'm so glad they finally used it because if they didn't, it honestly would have been a missed opportunity. And now we get a dog collar match. The second dog collar match in AEW history at revolution between CM Punk and MJF. And look, the first one was between Cody and Brody Lee, and it was a damn good one too. In that, and you've got a lot to hold up to, and a lot to let you got a lot to live up to with the first ever dog collar match in AEW with those two guys doing it. I know some people are saying it's too soon. 
I will disagree just because the storyline fits perfectly with this, especially if you know CM Punk's history. So I am massively excited for this. And again, if you ever needed a a masterclass in cutting a promo, look no further than the best in the fucking world. I will say too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Cage match would have been fine. Too soon. Um, but hey, I love the promo. Uh, masterclass and promos, A plus. If you're a professional wrestler and you happen to listen to the show and you haven't made it yet, that's how you make it. It's cutting promos. It was purpose. MJF Master Hill. Dude always has something to say about anything, but the fact that he's gonna have to be strapped. Throat to chain, throat to throat with the man they call CM Punk in Orlando. I'll be second row, just throwing that out there. Uh, in Orlando, it's going to be like a bloodbath. Because if you saw one of those first matches, dude, people would be calling the station to have that show match turned off if, if it, it's anywhere near as bloody as Piper and Valentine. Which, with these two, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. But so I am very on one hand, I think it's too soon. That's like 20 percent and 80 percent is like, dude, I'm about to watch some dudes bleed. Yeah, I completely understand. Honestly, if you do think it's too soon, I truly get it. I know like God rest Brody Lee again. I it's a really that was never supposed to be his last match in AEW. And it was a freak tragedy that took that man away from us that we we unfortunately will never get him back. And again, I, I'm it's it's still a heartbreaking thing to this day. And I know it's been less than less than uh, two, like a little less than uh, two years or a year and a half since that happened. So I, I completely, I completely understand. I, I truly do. I truly do. So like, if you have an issue with it, I get it. But again, considering that I took this as a CM Punk fan, and I took this as a guy who watched his career, and I know about that dog collar match against Raven, which, again, Raven's, Raven against CM Punk was probably CM Punk's best feud on the indies, in my personal opinion. Like, maybe Samoa Joe and Colt would be up there as well. But, like, again, CM Punk and, and, and uh, Raven was fucking amazing. And they had so many extreme matches, but the one people remember for the most part is that dog collar match. And... With the Piper and Portland line, which was what they were holding on to, and it built to the tagline with the Greg the Hammer Valentine and Roddy Piper reference, which, again, worked out perfectly on that, especially with everything like that. And I, I get it. I honestly do. If you think it's too soon, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I, I understand your belief behind it. But me personally, I am so excited. And I will tell you that like that, that dog collar match against uh, – Cody and Mr. Brody Lee is a damn good one too. So if they don't live up to it, we'll still say the best dog collar match was Cody versus Mr. Brody Lee. We can still say that. But regardless yeah, of is, this, which is what I'm going to say no matter what. Yeah, which I will completely I can't even disagree with you on that if you say that. I won't I won't argue with you with it. There's no reason to because it was a damn good one. But dude, but, I I am happy as hell i get to be in the building for this one i at wish the, i was there man i wish the, i was there the time, i would have i would have killed to see this match at, live. The, at the first one i couldn't be there it's just you weren't we weren't allowed there you know what i mean 
right? And this one, I actually get to be at, actually in a regular type of seat, sitting next to uh, my bestie, one of my besties, Tiffany. It's, it's going to be a blood laugh. I hope I get a little blood on me. I'm down. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. We'll move quickly over now to the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, going one-on-one with Lee Moriarty, which... Honestly, Lee did a damn good mat- job in this match, too. There was at one point, I believe, the Nashville audience was really chanting for him. Um, they did some really, really good stuff. And um, this was a continuing on uh, Brian starting to really work with some of the younger guys and tying in with what he wanted to do with Moxley, which was to really take these young guys and show them the like just truly the violence of wrestling that they, that they could do together and how they could really mentor these young guys. He kicked his head in multiple times. There was just such, there was, this was a really good match considering that we knew the outcome already, but Lee stepped up against one of the best wrestlers in the world with Brian. And he did a damn good job, honestly. And Lee takes the loss after, uh, Danielson had a triangle sleeper, which he then posed flexing his muscles after kicking his head in multiple times. And then match was called off, called off because he was unable to continue. And then after that, Danielson gets on the mic and saying, like, I came out here to teach Lee Moriarty a thing or two about violence, and I want to know, did he pass or did he fail? And the audience didn't say any was, – that was kind of split off in what they were trying to cheer for. And he's like, that's why I don't trust the American public with anything. But he said, that's said, that's not the reason why I grabbed the microphone, though. I wanted to know about John Moxley, about his answer about teaming up. Moxley comes out, and he was – comes out and he again another great promo cut on this night as well moxley a great promos in a completely different style of cm punk another great masterclass in promos and he talks about a little over a decade ago i was a lot like lee young angry poor nothing to lose and i took a shot at taking down the great american dragon brian danielson little indie show we stood eye to eye and i was staring at next to the man that they called the best wrestler in the world Fought tooth and nail, but I came up short. But getting a taste of the best made him want it more. And over the years, he had more shots at Brian, and he came up short. And in fact, he's never beaten Brian Danielson. So when he showed up, everyone else was scared when he showed up in AEW. But I was excited because I would get the chance to slay the dragon that I never slayed. No pun intended. But Brian wants to join forces. And he got me thinking, like, how awesome it could be. A dream team of unmitigated, pure wrestling violence and we could take the young guys with us giving back to AEW and the legacy that we could leave I couldn't think of one good reason to say no but then he wondered is the only reason Brian Danielson wanting him to stand side by side is because he doesn't want him to stand across from him in a ring and if that's the case then I've already beaten Brian Danielson so which is it not saying yes I'm not saying no I'm leaving it up to Brian I don't stand side by side with nobody Till I bleed with them first. Considering that he just teamed with uh, CM Punk last week, and those two uh, fought in WWE. Another great little nod right there. The the tweet and that, his other, that, most that, fre- other most frequent partner is Eddie Kingston, who, who they bled. They beat the hell out of each other. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that there was photos of all the people that that Moxley has fought and then eventually teamed with. And it's it's beautiful uh, how that worked off. Again, another great promo cut on the night. There was like that's two great promos in a show that's mostly focused on just wrestling as more as opposed to promos, and they were outstanding promos. And again, 
even if they don't do the team up thing and if it's just like Danielson trying to be like, I don't want to face Moxley, I'm being a cowardly heel or whatever. But if this leads to them having the match and then having the faction, like you get the best of both worlds. You get Brian Danielson and Moxley teaming up to have all these young guys alongside them and then just kicking the shit out of people. And then you get to see them beat the hell out of each other in just a straight up match. So another area of AEW where I'm heavily interested to see where this goes through. But these are two straight-up segments and the first match of the show. The show started off great, honestly. These, this was really strong stuff out the gate. I got I to gotta gush for a while. Cause Go ahead. I am between, when it comes to AEW, I am between favorite wrestlers right now. I'm in search of my new favorite wrestler in AEW. So Singles wrestler. Tag team, you've got that locked up. Uh, FTR forever. Um, yeah, in AEW. That's why I made it clear, in AEW. But... Uh, Moxley probably did one of the coolest movie star one-liners ever. Straight out of an action movie. I won't tag with someone or I won't team up with somebody that I haven't bled with. Now, we're looking at this storyline. And I want to say I love this because it might be, be not be completely original. You might be able to find something in ECW or World Class, but I haven't seen this in so long. It has come off as a rich, completely original to me. Someone that says, I won't join your faction. I won't join your group until we beat the shit out of each other first. Now, I am one of those people. I am. I, I feel like... In the world, you're either a Mox guy or a Cody guy, right? Mox is the more grounded, you know, more grounded, built-in reality type of hero. And Cody is, you know, Captain America, right? So, when you look at Mox, never, the everyday guy never did anything for me. Last night when he delivered this promo, and then he delivered that one-liner at the end, I feel like I got Mox. I feel like I finally got it. Not saying it worked for me, but I finally figure out why it worked for somebody. You had else. your Darby moment with him. Yes. It was such a cool fucking line. The only thing that could have been made it cooler to an old person, I know this wouldn't make it cooler to young people, but to an old person is if he was smoking a cigarette when he said it. That's literally the only thing that would have made it cooler. It would be full John McClain in that regard. Yeah. He is just like in this moment, in this moment, he is not he is not Jonathan Good. He is John Moxley. That is a John Moxley line. That's exactly what I would expect from John Moxley. He is fully immersed in this character. He is one with Mox. And that was the fucking coolest moment. He is literally teasing going heel. That's the whole thing this is about. I might join you because Brian Danielson is a full-ass heel. He is teasing going heel. But in this moment, he is so cool that no one cares. I'm like, dude, there are so many non-PC things I want to say about what John Moxley did to a certain segment of this crowd. I will not say them because I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> But just know, dude was sex. 
He was pure sex at that moment. Yeah. And I, mean, I got it. And I got it for that moment. Yeah. And he, he absolutely killed that promo. And again, this is one of those things like CM Punk and MJF is my biggest love in AEW right now. But this was uh, one of the things that is definitely like it might be number two and it might be number three. I'll let you know what other things are currently in my top favorite uh, storylines in AEW yeah, moving I mean, down the road. It's my two promos. I know it's only February, but one and two from my promos of the year just happened in one episode. Yeah. And like within like 30 minutes of each other. It was like, oh, so I got to go on after Punk? Okay, cool. <laughs> I, get, I got it. Because <laughs> it was exactly. like, Punk goes out there, A-plus, five-star promo, whatever rating system you want to use. Moxley goes out there, A-plus, five-star promo, whatever rating system you want to use. That's how a show was supposed to start. And as much as it probably pains me to say, man, this Dynamite was amazing first show, AC. Yes, AC after Cody. That's what we're going to be saying uh, regarding that. Uh, we then had a face of the revolution qualifying match between Wardlow facing off against the acclaimed Platinum Max Caster. Shout out to the Tennessee Titans eliminated out of the first round line. Man, they were not happy about that line, and I love it. Football football lines will always get people in their feelings, thousand percent. Uh, so keep doing them. Um, Wardlow uh, got a couple, had a lot of uh, outside interference with uh, Max Caster uh, having the help of Anthony Bowens because he got a steel chain uh, from Bowens that was able to knock uh, Wardlow down before he tried to do the powerbomb symphony. And then he was able to, to uh, get a little bit of offense in. Um, but eventually, it was just delaying the inevitable. Wardlow was just powerbomb, 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 and the crowd was going nuts about it. He pins him. Wardlow will be going to Revolution to be facing off in that face of the Revolution ladder match. Uh, absolutely excited to know that he is there. Um, he's probably my favorite to win the thing at this point in time. Uh, I know Keith Lee is going to be in there as well, so that's a huge thing. But, I mean, first off, Wardlow and Keith Lee facing off. My God! That is just an idea that just fills me with joy. Um, but, I mean, Wardlow is one of my favorites, honestly, because if he does... You know for a fact that that's going to cause some tension with uh, good buddy Max. But, uh, of course, Sean Spears comes in, gets the steel chair spot. And um, also, Bowens tried to attack Wardlow. That didn't go well for him. But Sean Spears was the one that got the last laugh because, of course, he was. But, yeah, this match, perfectly booked. I mean, Wardlow looked strong. Uh, Max didn't look incredibly weak. Sean Spears kind of let Max and uh, Anthony Bowens cheat and he's the one that's supposed to have Wardlow's back and Wardlow won and then Sean Spears is like hey hey look at me and then he hits him with the chair and it's so funny um, they did it on dark and they was like they was like you know he, I need you to cool it with the chair he's like chair man that's you know like and then he just walks away and I was like he just pulled the line off perfectly Another thing that he did on Twitter is uh, there was another moment later on in the show with Thunder Rose. I'm not going to talk about who won the match, but she comes out with a chair. So Jeremy Potawar, uh, I don't know how to say his name, but he is the guy that uh, works a lot with the AEW figures. He runs a lot of contests, and he loves to say the term toyetic. And it was a picture of Thunder Rosa with her chair walking out in the all yellow. And he said, Toyetic. 
And uh, basically, Sean Spears replies, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote. He's basically said he would end him if you ever put Thunder Rosa, give Thunder Rosa a chair with her figure. <laughs> chair, so chair man. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 he lives this thing. <laughs> Absolutely. This is his thing. Yeah, he's like, oh yes. If you if you make a figure with her in a chair, Jesus won't be able to help you. I found it. (laughs) So good. (laughs) So good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some people like they're all about their gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. He is absolutely all about his gimmick. Yeah. When he when he gets rolled off the show, it's gonna be definitely being hit with hit or driven through a chair. It has to be. That's just how it goes. He he lives it so well that it has to work into his demise eventually. There you go. Well then we had an in ring interview with the AEW world champion Hangman Adam Page, fresh off of his victory that he had in the Texas Death match against one uh uh, everybody dies himself, and he talked about that Texas Death Match last week, and um, he was getting interviewed with it. And then immediately, though, Adam Cole Baby interrupts the interview, and oh shit, just got real. And he talks about, look, you've been in some battles in AEW, the war you had with Kenny Omega to win that title, and that Texas Death Match you had. Absolutely, one of your crazy, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And you regain that title, you have earned the right to call yourself AEW World Champion. And he immediately then kicks out uh, Tony Schiavone out of the ring. I wonder why. And he says, "Look, you're the champion right now, but it would it's going to be a shame though because that reign is going to come to an end soon." And Hangman talks about how like. I wonder what it was like for your friends to leave you behind and build an empire without you. And now you're standing in the ring with your Bullet Club buddy holding a championship you're never going to have. And Adam's like, Hangman, I mean, Adam Cole goes, you haven't mentioned the Bucks in months uh, or the Dark Order. So, like, what kind of friend are you in that regard? And Paige goes, not perfect, but you're not perfect with friendships either. The more you talk, the more you think... Uh, you're gonna. I think getting in your, the ring tonight is gonna be one of your biggest mistakes. And Adam Cole talks about, listen, man, when it comes to us and our friendships and our partnerships and Ring of Honor and New Japan and in Bullet Club, you've always just been known as the other Adam. Such a good line in that. He's like, I've got nothing but respect and admiration for you. If I could share the ring with anybody in AEW. Uh, it would have to be you. So when we fight for that AEW World Championship, trust me, when that day comes filled with respect, may the best man win. Cole actually shakes Paige's hand, Hangman's Page. He's got a grin on his face. He walks out of the ring. There comes Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bubby Fish, shutting down Adam Page, knocking him out. Adam Cole then comes into the ring and starts hammering down Hangman with punches. Security comes out, tries to pull him off, doesn't go well. Then the Dark Order comes out, and Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish retreat. Ten was pissed, knocked out pretty much every single one of the security guards in the ring, and very much staring off of the face of Adam Cole. That was the little tease because it was confirmed in a backstage segment that on Rampage this upcoming Friday, we will be getting Adam Cole versus Ten of the Dark Order. Adam Cole versus 10. I loved how they made the powerful they made 10 look. I need more of this from 10. This was a great uh, line, a great storyline. 
I think this is going to lead us to eventually to Hangman and the Bucks versus Adam Cole and Red Dragon. I don't know how long. Maybe it's not before the pay-per-view, but I think we're eventually going to get there. But I really did enjoy this uh, segment, and Adam Cole looks like Adam Cole, you know? Baby. Yeah, I mean, again, this this is right now. The moment he steps in the ring with Hangman facing off with a chance to go for the AEW world title, he has reached what we told you he was going to reach. So for the NXT people who think that he was being buried in AEW just because, because he lost a match against 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 Orange Cassidy in a match that doesn't count towards the record systems and they were never going to talk about it like that, or at least he wasn't going to talk about it like that, he's already in the AEW title picture. And he's been here for literal less than half a year. So please calm down. Adam Cole is going to run roughshod on AEW. He's already doing so right now with Red Dragon. So there you go. Absolutely. Now, we then had the implosion of the inner circle. The demo god Chris Jericho and Jake Hager teaming up to face Santana and Ortiz. And making his return standing side by side with Santana and Ortiz. The Mad King, Eddie Kingston, comes back. Crowd goes nuts, and he aligns himself with Santana and Ortiz. These guys, again, Santana and Ortiz put on another clinic of tag team wrestling. Jake Hager had a lot of powerful moments as well in this match, and Jericho was Chris Jericho. This was a nice little inner circle battle that took place, and it was really damn good. This was a really freaking good tag team match. Uh, Eventually, what ends up happening is that uh, there was this great spot that Ortiz was trying to go into a cannonball off of Santana's back, like jump off of Santana's back into a cannonball. But Ortiz gets caught by Jericho in midair, putting him in the line tamer. Such a great reaction from the crowd when that happened. Eventually he gets to the ropes and Kingston gets on the apron talking to Ortiz. And then Jericho completely knocks him off of the apron. Santana then though hits the discus lariat and pins Chris Jericho Santana and Ortiz prove they don't need Jericho, get the win, but then immediately Chris Jericho gets out of the ring, chases off of Eddie, off of Ed, after Eddie Kingston. Funny enough, Eddie's putting his hands up this whole time. Like, I didn't touch him. I didn't lay my hands on him. Get this crazy man from a shitty band off of me. And they referees pull apart Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. You want to talk about promo battles? Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho? I can only imagine the promo battles, but this feud I am all for. And Santana and Ortiz look great, man. They continue to prove why they are severely underrated in the AEW tag team division. And if there was ever a team that I would want to go and see and go on a tag team title chase, they would be one of my top teams because they are so freaking good. Santana and Ortiz, uh, it's funny at one point in time, Literally were my favorite or like one of my favorite tag teams, uh, the LAX period and during the LAX period, uh, during their impact run, I was just big into them and what they brought to the, uh, what they brought to tag team wrestling. And I honestly, they haven't been featured as a tag team in AEW. I know they've had matches. They had the war with FTR, but as far as a top tier world title team, they haven't. Their most of their moments, their main events have been with the inner circle. So this storyline actually makes sense. Did Chris Jericho elevate them by keeping them in the inner circle, or did he hold them down by keeping them in with the inner circle? Because the guy that was with them in Impact was named Eddie Kingston. 
And he was the one that knew what they had available, what they could do. And he believed in them as champions. He actually helped them win a championship there. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where this is going. I'm hoping it leads to them eventually being tag team champions because I am a big, you know, I'm a big fan. Yeah, absolutely. We then move over to the no disqualification match between Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. Martinez comes out with a lead pipe. Thunder Rosa comes out with a steel chair in full Kill Bill outfit, no, no less. And Martinez immediately gets hit in the hand, knocking the pipe out of her hand. These two girls, they beat the hell out of each other in this match. There were a couple scary spots, honestly. There was one spot where uh, Thunder Rosa was suplexed off of the top rope, like German suplexed off of the top rope, and, and uh, was dangerously landed on her, on her, near, on her neck. And uh, after that happened, Martinez went for an elbow drop, kind of slipped a little bit, and her elbow went pretty much right across the throat or face of Thunder Rosa, which honestly made it look painful, even though she didn't get off get the height off of it that she wanted. Despite that, this match was, again, very physical, very violent. Uh, Thunder Rosa was able to hit the uh, Thunder Fire driver on Martinez on top of the pile of chairs that were brought into the ring. Um, they were also put through a table at one point where, like, they almost kind of slid off of the table the way that it was set up outside the ring. But, uh, like, a little bit of it broke. But it was, a, it, again, these girls threw a lot at each other. It was it was pretty good, honestly. Uh, not as good as I would say, uh, of course, the Lights Out match that Thunder Rosa was in with Britt. That was outstanding. But this was another really good physical no DQ match that Thunder Rosa has been in. And Mercedes Martinez, I'm still so ecstatic that she's here. It may have not been her her best performance, but she still did a damn good job. And also, two things. One, Sabrina the Teenage Witch herself was in the crowd for this match. But then also, after Thunder Rosa got the win, Dr. Britt Baker, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter walk out. And this was in a backstage segment with Britt Baker. Martin Cove from... God damn the Karate Kid and from Cobra Kai is at ringside for this point. And he goes, I told you she was weak. Now finish her. And Britt Baker and then has Jamie Hayter and Rebel and herself jump Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. And then at one point, well, no, Th Mercedes Martinez hesitated to hit Thunder Rosa. And that's when she got blindsided by Jamie Hayter. And that's when they started getting beaten the shit out of them. So, look, no mercy. If you listen to anything from Martin Cove, you show no mercy. So, crazy appearance from those two, first off, with Miss uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and also Martin Cove. But this was a pretty damn good match. It's so cool that you refer to as Sabrina the Teenage Witch because I know Sabrina was damn near off the show, was off TV, like, like right when you were born, I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, I saw re I saw reruns. I yeah, saw reruns yeah, on like yes, Nick and like yeah. stuff like that. So but like, I was very I was very familiar with so it, even though it wasn't a, a show I watched. So Melissa Joan Hart is like one of my forever crushes. I'm talking Clarissa explains it all on Nickelodeon to See, that was one of the shows I never saw. Yeah, uh, to uh, uh to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Many different Hallmark Christmas movies. Pretty much, she is pretty a staple of my lifetime. Uh, my lifetime. So seeing her there, I popped. I popped. And then 
I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of Cobra Kai the t- TV show. I was a Karate Kid guy when I was growing up. Uh, shit, I'm actually meeting Martin Cove in uh, June at a uh, fan expo. <laughs> so it's let's kinda, go. So that's kind of cool. So and then so this was. Uh, the marrying of two things I love very much, and you know I'm all about no mercy. I always said, dude, if I was in one of those, I know I know Miyagi though won, but I always said I would have been Cobra Kai. No mercy, strike first, hit hard. I love it. Strength, so, uh, no weakness. weakness, no weakness, and I love it. I loved it in this segment. I love Britt Baker. You know, she was even uncomfortable with what he was asking her to do. And I love it. And, you know, Rebel is just the good leader. And, you know, it it was great. It was great because I, I think this is all, of course, leading to Thunder versus Brit at uh, Revolution. And, yeah, I'm excited for it. Absolutely. We then got to the main event of Dynamite, the TNT Championship being held and defended by Sammy Guevara, still rocking the double belts, which honestly, if he's going to do that, that's cool. I, I'm fine with it at this point. Facing off against the former TNT champion from a, few, for, for, from a while back, Darby Allen, And there was a nice exchange of handshakes before the match was off. This crowd was hyped for this match, and they had a ton of shit in this match. Like, we've seen from Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen back at Revolution 2020, these two know how to put on a damn good match. And, of course, also when they wrestled each other on the independence. These two did so damn good. Uh, at one, Like, I honestly, like, there was one point where there was an insane, insane spot where Darby Allen was held up in, like, almost like the KOD almost. But uh, not the KOD. That's fucking goddamn uh, Bianca Belair. Uh, the go to hell. The go to hell. Yeah, the GTH is what I meant to say. Uh, he had him up in like the GTS GTH on the top rope and then drops him where he bounces off of the fucking top rope and flies out of the ring. It was so painful to watch. And then, of course, Sammy Guevara with his typical I'm crazy shit tries to do a goddamn dive while Darby's on the ring apron on the outside, and he lands right on the on the edge of the ring, and it looks so painful. Eventually, though, what ends up happening was Darby goes for the coffin drop, but Jose shows up, and Sting has to chase off Jose. But while he's the referee is distracted by this whole thing, Andrade with his iPad cracks Darby over the head with it, and Sammy's just like, I mean, I'm gonna win my title back. I can't. I can't really. I can't do anything about this. Sammy hits the GTH, pins Darby, retains the TNT title. Hell of a match, unfortunately. And JR himself said, thanks for dropping by and spoiling things, Andrade. And Matt Hardy then immediately runs past Andrade, his his, uh, AHFO uh, partner, and beats the hell out of Darby. Then Andrade... uh, and Sammy Guevara then helps out Darby, but then Andrade knocks out Sammy with the iPad, and he stares at both of those TNT title belts until Sting gets in the ring, and Andrade has to walk walk right out that ring. So Andrade has made his t- intentions clear. Like he said before, he wants to be the TNT champion, and because Darby turned him down, he made sure it wasn't him that he was going to take the title off of. It's going to be Sammy. So that's how AEW Dynamite closed off. And look, 
despite the numbers being down for this episode in the ratings, this was a damn good episode of Dynamite. They did a ton of great shit on this show. And honestly, like, if you missed it, like, it's your loss, but, like, watch it back if you can, because this show was so good. Yes, I want to say about that last match, two belts is too many. Leave one of those belts at home. Real champion, real champion, as in a blonde-haired real champion, only needs one belt. Um, Then we move on to uh, amazing match, probably will be rated high, but crappy ending, but... It's one of those endings that are professional wrestling. You're never going to get away from those endings. It was to expand on the story. It was to add uh, It was to add Andrade in there. I understand everybody wants clean finishes. You're not going to get them all the time. It's just not how wrestling works. This was a good, it was a good resolution. When Sammy and Darby go at it, pillar versus pillar, one-on-one, uh, you know, no interference, no storylines. It will be a five star match. I'm calling it right now, but this is wasn't the time for a five star match. This was the time to uh, bring Andrade into the story, build up a lot of tension going in. We maybe get Sammy versus Andrade at or in Orlando. We may get Sammy versus Andrade versus Darby in Orlando. There's a lot of thing ways we can go with this, and that's good. That's a good thing. It was. Not an ending that we wanted, but it could lead to something better. Which overall, this show, I honestly, A, I'm usually a B plus guy, but I thought this was an A show. It set up so much for Revolution. It, it's got so much excitement uh, for next week. We've seen stories play out. You're going to have these type of episodes. Not every episode is going to be a home run. And yeah, if you're one of those people, uh, not watching because Cody's not there. He doesn't even want you to not watch. Exactly. <laughs> so who are you doing this for? <laughs> who are you doing this for? Like, ask yourself that. Who are you doing this for? Because there's no reason. You're, there's you're, no reason. You're, you're stopping yourself from watching wrestling that I think you enjoy because Cody hasn't been featured in a long time. I've been bitching about that for a while. So you can't be like, well, he was a huge part of the story and they just pulled him out. No, he wasn't. They literally ended his story. With Sam. Yeah. Brandy was more a part of the story that abruptly ended than Cody was. Cody wasn't in anything actively. So, I like I said, I, I'm not going to go off on that forever. I'm just going to say it was an s- amazing show. If you don't, you can't accept it or you didn't like it, I understand. But from someone just looking at it, it was just a hit from beginning to end. From CM Punk sitting in the middle of the ring to... Uh, to uh, Sammy Guevara winning a match at the end of the show. It was nothing but hits. I love the Thunder Rosa and Mercedes and Martinez match. There was a few slips. There was a few things technically in the sound. But go on YouTube. Take your time. If you don't think these women work well together, go on YouTube, put in Mercedes Martinez versus Thunder Rosa and just click on the first match. I don't care what one pops up. You'll see these these ladies work really, really, really well together. They're amazing. So, uh, you know, you get on TV, you got to rush it a little faster than you normally have to do. But these women know how to tell a story. So it's going to go forward. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it all. But this was a very, very, very good episode. I would say great episode of Dynamite. 
Exactly. And again, if you're worried about the AC era of, of AEW without one blonde-haired Cody Rhodes, uh, I don't think you have to worry because, again, I think this company is still in pretty damn good hands despite the fact that they lost one of their key members. I think they are still looking very fine despite all of that. But moving into AEW Rampage that took place last week, we had from February 11th taking place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. We opened up with the match that we had been meaning to get for a while, but unfortunately because of Rocky Romero not being able to be cleared for the original match, we finally got Rapungi Vice versus the Young Bucks. If you are at all familiar with these two teams and the history that they have had, you know what you got. You got a fucking great tag team match. I honestly don't even know what else to add because these guys throw out so many match- ma- great matches. And we had the addition of having Orange Cassidy and Dan House in there. Dan House then put a curse on the Young Bucks, which was able to distract them as Rapungi Vice both dived out of the ring, landing on the Bucks with Tope Suicida. Such a great spot. Please have Dan House and continue to curse everybody. Um, though CM Punk, I said, I believe I said, uh, the bald guy from FTR. Don't curse him. He's cool, apparently. So that's according to CM Punk, not according to me. I haven't said anything. But these two put on a unbelievably great tag team match, a hell of an opener for Rampage. There's so many moves to talk about from this match. It's, it's, it's just a lot. So eventually the match finished up as the Bucks were getting the BTE trigger, pinned Rocky Romero to get the win. But afterwards... Brandon Brandon Cutler comes out with the cold spray at Orange Cassidy's eyes, which then set up for Switchblade Jay White to clobber Orange Cassidy with the Orange Cassidy with the Blade Runner. Switchblade, man, you're gonna you're gonna breathe the Switchblade, and I'm so happy he's here. And we're gonna get more uh, Jay White stuff when it comes to Rampage, which we'll talk about very shortly for this upcoming week. So we get to see Jay do stuff more in AEW, which, yay. But this match was hella good. Yeah, uh, this match, I, I was sitting there just making sure this is what. My first, or it was actually my second New Japan show, my second Wrestle Kingdom that I tuned in for Cody. The third match, Rapungi Vice, Barrett and Rocky Romero versus the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. It changed the way I watched tag team wrestling to a point. And... I, you know, this match was right in that line. It, it fit right what they usually do. They work well, so well together. I enjoyed it. And then the chef's kiss on the end of the match, of course, with the Young Bucks winning, the chef kiss was my guy, Switchblade Jay White. Breathe with the Switchblade. Oh, my God, I love the Blade Runner. I love I love how smooth this dude is, how great of a wrestler he is. Uh, yeah, it was it was good. Moving over then, we had a backstage interview with the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, and he said, look, I know what people want. They don't, they want to be bothered by, they don't, they want me to be bothered that Moxley is teaming with CM Punk and not me. But no, my offer and CM Punk's offer are two different things. I want to build something long term with Moxley. Punk just wanted a one night stand. Careful with that. Uh, Matt, Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty inter- interrupted and saying like Lee was going to show Danielson what he was made of. And that was when he eventually said that he was going to face off with American dragon himself on dynamite, which we talked about that match. It's very good. And Lee was great. And it led into the promo that we had from Moxley towards Brian Danielson. So there's that. There's not really much else we can add to that. 
We then had the AEW Women's Champion Dr. Britt Baker DMD facing off against Robin Renegade in a not-too-quick, relatively quick match. Robin uh, got some good moves, like hitting a nice frog splash on the match, but eventually uh, Renegade Stomp uh, was going to be hit, and uh, she stomped Renegade right there and uh, got the win. Uh, After the match, though, Rebel got the surgical glove to Dr. Britt Baker. Lockjaw was applied. Thunder Rosa came down, sprinted down, grabbed... Uh, Thunder knocked Thunder to Thunder got uh, ground and pounded uh, Dr. Britt Baker. Jamie Hayter stopped her. Then Mercedes Martinez came out, pushed Jamie Hayter out of the way so she could go after Thunder Rosa. And then Dr. Britt Baker separated Hayter and Martinez to try to calm the team down. A little bit of dissension. And as we saw, Mercedes Martinez didn't really have a place in there, did she? Because uh, she didn't get the job done. Yeah, she didn't have a place in there because she didn't get the job done. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly say, but if you need an assassin, I don't think there's too many people better than the job. It's just, you know, it's kind of hard to take out Thunder Rosa. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we got Hook killing motherfuckers. Hook comes out and goes after the top student of QT Marshall, Blake Lee. Uh, he turned his back. On Lee before the match even happened, Hook grabbed Lee's ankle, pushed him to the mat, and then uh, Lee tried to take him down. Uh, did not work out, and uh, Hook then proceeded to toss Lee with the El Camino and was just beating the shit out of him. QT Marshall was looking to try to distract him and try to get involved, and uh, Lee did get an elbow in the back of uh, Hook, jumped off the top ropes trying to do something. Hook steps away. And then uh, Red Rum was applied. Lee had to tap out, which also Red Rum is a great finishing move for for submission. I love that. And look, you can't stop Hook. He is on a roll like nobody's business. QT, anybody that you send, including yourself, will not end well for you. I'm just telling you. I feel in my gut, in my big old belly, that uh, this is leading to Hook versus a go-go at – which I mean, like, if you want, if you want to talk about a match to bring a go-go back into the public eye, a match against Hook is the perfect spot to put him back in. Considering that, like, his his first real big match didn't go too well. Yeah, it's. I mean, this was. If you want to talk about the uh, his prize student, it's it's it wasn't this guy. It his wasn't Blakely. Let's yeah, be honest yeah, with yeah, ourselves. His prize student's the go-go. It's Anthony go-go. It's the boxer. It's the Olympic. Uh, Olympic guy. It's that's it. Now I'm just like, and you see, they're staying away from each other. Gogo is with QT any other time except when QT is interacting with Hook. They're saving it. They're saving Hook and a Gogo. And maybe we get QT and Hook. You know, uh, QT and Hook uh, at the pay per view or around the pay per view. But I think the money match we're building building to is Anthony Gogo versus Hook. And yes, I would I would be so down for that match. But we moved into an AEW tag team title match between Jurassic Express facing off against the Gun Club after so much messing around where they were going after Christian and they were going after Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Finally got the tag match that they wanted. And look, the Ass Boys did pretty good, honestly. I will say, the Ass Boys did pretty well. And uh, they had some really good matches. Uh, there was a really great close kick out where... Jungle Boy got hit with the belts while the referee was distracted. And uh, despite that, he kicked out at the very last second and still stayed alive in the match. Despite that, though, Luchasaurus was outside the ring during the match. 
choke slamming Colton Gunn over the barricade into a bunch of fans. Uh, Jungle Boy then proceeded to uh, finish off uh, the match with Christian's kill switch. He got the win with the kill switch in in thanks to Christian allowing him to use the finisher. And Excalibur said it himself. Christian Cage's mentorship is doing very well for these two. And the Jurassic Express retain their tag team titles, and they still remain to be the top tag team in AEW at this point in time. Uh, And this is a good defense for them, honestly. It gets uh, the Ass Boys some uh, exposure, and that isn't uh, Dan Housen just calling them the Ass Boys, so they got to actually wrestle uh, for the titles. So I think it got them some good exposure. And again, they did a pretty dang good job, I think. And Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy are outstanding. They have always been outstanding, and I love them to death. Only thing I have to say, though, is while I love Christian, I miss, I, I miss my boy. I wish I miss my boy Marco. I miss Marco. I want to know where he's at. So that's my only nitpick. Uh, well, he's on a short leave of absence. I I understand that yes, but I miss him. Oh, I love God. I love oh, Marco. God. You didn't even get the the corniness of what I, I did get the corniness. I <laughs> ran past it so Don't quickly because I'm not going to reference it. Don't I'm, run I'm not. Past I am my corniness. Yes, I will. Uh, uh, but uh, Christian uh, being back, I can honestly say I saw something that Christian hadn't wrestled since on in, on Dynamite TV since he beat Kenny Omega for the Impact title. That is a hundred percent true. Wow. I mean, can he drop somebody on his head? Come on, can I get a little Captain Charisma? I mean, come on, six man tag something. Come on, give me a, give me a little Christian. I miss me a little Christian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's not he's not Impact Champion anymore, so he's not really tied to that belt anymore. So, I, and I honestly thought Marco was there the whole time. I just thought he was standing behind Luchasaurus. <laughs> You know what? I understand that completely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah. What's next? Or That was the show, wasn't it? That was the show. That was AEW Rampage from last week. And we'll go into a quick preview of this upcoming Rampage, which will be on the day that you're listening to this tonight. Uh, So we're going to get the Adam Cole versus 10 match. Serena Deeb will be back with her five-minute rookie challenge. Uh, Yes, please. Jay White will be going one-on-one with Trent of Best Friends. I'm so for that match. And in a qualifying match for the Face of the Revolution ladder match, Dante Martin will be going up against Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, I would be failing to remind you that this Dynamite, because of the NBA All-Star Weekend, is showing early. So it is coming on at 7. This Rampage. This Rampage. Rampage. Sorry, Rampage said the wrong name. 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. So make sure you either set your DVRs forward or you're home in time to watch the show. So it actually, in my time, it comes on an hour before SmackDown. So it just makes me a three-hour wrestling evening. Honestly, what happens is I'll watch Rampage and then I'll fall asleep during SmackDown. That's generally what happens. So. Actually, and if if you if you end up not wanting to watch SmackDown after Rampage and you want to instead go watch some NBA All-Star Weekend stuff, you can watch the Rising Stars game that will happen after Rampage where you can see my boy Cade Cunningham along with Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart of the Detroit Pistons, the proudly worst team in the NBA at this hey, moment in time. Hey, maybe one day they'll go to L.A. and can win a championship. Uh, how's that going for you right now? I believe AD's hurt again. No, I was talking about Matt Stafford. 
Oh, well, I was just saying, well, I'm talking about uh, no, no, I was just talking I've about completely it. forgotten about football at this point in time. It's the off season. <laughs> I was talking about going from Detroit to L.A. to win a championship. That's what no, I was talking about. No, I was saying <laughs> L.A. ain't winning win nothing right now. They're stuck hey, in so many hey, contracts that's Anthony, screwing them. Anthony got his ring. Do you think he cares? No. <laughs> he got Whatever. his ring. That's the future of the on. NBA right there, right there. Yes. I'm talking about Cade Cunningham. That man will bring us a title. You just watch. It, he will bring L.A. a title. That's a, yeah, Not that's L.A. A, Not L.A. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, no, honestly, that's why I can't get too much in the NBA basketball because we had our hope with the Thunder, and then they all just left us, and I was just like. That was that. The, the Thunder were such a waste, dude. It, I felt, it, 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 it literally broke my basketball heart. So honestly, the, I feel like if they hadn't have given Seattle the middle finger, they might have actually had some good karma. But I think all their karma was gone with how much they were like, ah, "Fuck you, Seattle." Dude, dude, you want to talk about horrible karma? So I, I had gotten behind Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm season ticket holder. What is the one thing I love as much about much as a team in the NBA? Who's the one person? His name's LeBron James. The Oklahoma City Thunder finally make it to the finals. And I said a little prayer before the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. I was like, just let Oklahoma City or Miami lose. I don't care. Let one of them lose. I get nothing. I have to deal with Oklahoma City versus LeBron. Oh, poor you. You, you know what I had? To, I just sat at home. I didn't, somebody was like, oh, you can go to the finals. I'm like, no, I'm not going. And they were like, why are you not going? I was like, I can't root for either one. That's what it's my team versus my guy. <laughs> I was like, uh, and I and I had already been through previously of LeBron James losing in the finals like what three times, and he was becoming that guy that can't win one in the finals. And I finally get LeBron finally gets his ring, and it it's at my expense and the expense of the Thunder because everybody's like, oh, they'll be back again, and they never got to the finals, finals again. We are they only have their self to blame for it too. We were the Dan Marino of NBA basketball. There you go. But getting off of the basketball talk, of course, the couple matches that we have announced for this upcoming Dynamite on the 23rd of February, the House of Black will be going in a tag team match against Penta and Pack of Death Triangle. And then we're going to get a face-to-face confrontation with Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. Yes, fucking please. Do we get the third guy? Does the third guy of the House of Black show up? I don't know, but they teased that. There was a little segment actually behind but We didn't talk about the segment that was running, running on Dynamite. There was a tease of a third member of the House of Black right behind yeah. uh, Brody, Brody King and, uh, and uh, Malachi Black. There was a third guy. And we don't know a, who that third guy is. As a, a guy, a fan, a diehard fan of 205 Live, and a person that once ate dinner with Rest next to – uh, uh, was, uh, I was uh, gonna say rest in peace, two or five lives. Ate dinner with him at a street on on Bourbon Street in New Orleans, where he was over at another table. I knew that figure immediately as Buddy Murphy. Now I might be wrong, but I'm telling you, I I, I knew that figure immediately. He is a specially shaped human. There's not a lot of people <laughs> built like Buddy Murphy. I'm like, dude, the dude has packed as much muscle on that frame as he possibly can. You know what I mean? All right. If you put more muscle on that frame, he would be <laughs> fat. You know, like, it's just like, no. The dude is jacked to the gills, and I was like, okay, that's Buddy Murphy. 
So you heard it here first. <laughs> I looked at my, I, I looked at my wife who has no idea who the fuck Buddy Murphy is, and I looked at her and said, "That's Buddy Murphy," and she's like, "Who the fuck's Buddy Murphy?" <laughs> <laughs> I know who he is, so that's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> but that is everything from this week in AEW. But before we wrap things up, there's a couple little headlines and news that we want to run through real quick. So, Floyd, go ahead and let people know more AEW news. Yes. Oh, Mr. Mikey Ruckus, uh, or, or Ruckus as he likes to call himself, announced that the AEW, uh, AEW music that uh, their album is coming out, Who We Are. It comes out actually today when you'll hear this on the 18th. They're actually doing a concert at the venue at UCF right after FanFest. So it's in the same location as FanFest. Doors open at 8. Show begins at 8.30. It's going to be Mikey Ruckus, Wrestle and Flow, and friend of the show, Monteezy, is going to be there. And I heard from a, a little bird, a little secret bird, that my boy Rich Lotta is going to be on, uh, performing too. Let's so go! You, so you know we got to be there for that. AEWTicks.com, $20 general mission. Get your ticks now. Support the boys. Support these men doing some good music. So I'm really, I'm really excited. I like, I hit Tiffany up, and I was like, okay. And she's like, of course we're going. We gotta support Ruckus. And I was like, damn right we do. And and because AEW loves me, both loves me and hates me, they announced that uh, Friday, April fifteenth, uh, that they are doing B Battle of the Belts two in Garland, Texas. Why do I say they hate me, sir? Because I've been to every show in Garland. I am previously scheduled to be in Indianapolis, Indiana on Friday, April 15th. <laughs> of all fucking days. Of course. <laughs> like, uh, there's this thing called the Square Dash Circle Expo. I'm going to be seeing one of my closest friends, Mr. Tyler Baldwin. And I was like, man, we're going to go have steak. We're going to go do this. I'm just really excited because there's nothing planned during that week. And Tony Khan just said, middle finger to me. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, so I am literally going to miss my first Dallas show for AEW, which sucks but there is one person that i one of one of the few people in this earth that i will miss for it's mr tyler Baldwin, and we're going to be in indianapolis eating big ass steaks and drinking liquor so i'll take it there you go well that is everything for this episode of all things elite guys can thank you so much for tuning in for the episode we really do appreciate you every time you listen so if you guys could continue to download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. You guys, if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Leave a rating and a review, and you can leave a donation through Red Circle if you feel so inclined. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. You won't be disappointed. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And before Floyd leaves, leaves us off uh, with this episode of All Things to Lead, I have a tweet, actually, that I want to read from Ron Dustin Rhodes saying, Join the AEW train, kids. We are ever-growing and making big moves. Plus, you get to see me as well 
as many up and coming superstars that are coming into their own. Everything is a process. Let me hear you. Hashtag I'm with AEW. So I will leave you with that in regards to everything that has happened in this insane week of wrestling. And of course, I will leave it off finally to my boy Floyd to take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. Yes, I, as shockingly, my little departing thing is going to be a big old thank you to Mr. Cody and Miss Brandy Rhodes. Uh, the revolution. Uh, a lot of times you took on the face, Cody took on the face of the revolution. And with the cheers and the adulation came a lot of hate. And a lot of, you know, that hate was directed at Cody and Brandy. He's not supposed to be put in this situation. All the different things. He can't wrestle. He's the odd man out. It's it's a lot of different things. And he took that on. He shouldered it. He took it on with a, a smile on his face. And in every meet and greet that I was at, he made every moment for every person in front of me, behind me, all around me, including me, feel special. Brandy did the same thing. Thereby, I honestly said, Brandy remembered my name first. Cody would look at me every time and have this blank look on my face. Just like Brandy's like, that's Floyd. She remembered my name first. And it was just like, and you know, they work as a team that way. And I've met Pharaoh and the whole family. And they are, to me, it was as much AEW. Honestly, for me, Cody was more AEW than Tony Khan. And I can say he was the Pied Piper that led me there. Tony and his booking kept me there and their product is amazing and I plan on supporting them until basically the doors close. But uh but I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the guy and the woman that led me there, Miss Miss uh Cody and Brandy. So I wish you the best in WWE. I wish you the best in whatever you do if that's not WWE I look forward to seeing you in AEW again down the road. So I leave you like I always leave you. Whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.